Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is episode 11 of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brina Garen, and this month we're all in a holiday mood. Well, some of us more so than others, I guess. I don't know if there are any of those weirdos in the audience who get more excited about Christmas and Yule than they do about Halloween, but to each their own. Now, contrary to what some folks on social media might be expecting, I'm not going to talk about conflation and syncretism in the pagan calendar. And I'm not going to talk about the bullshit moral panic that is the alleged war on Christmas, heaviest air quotes ever. Although I will say that despite what some Americans insist, being asked to recognize that other religions and traditions exist does not constitute a war on anything except ignorance and some people just need to loosen up. Deep cleansing breath. I'm going back to a topic I mentioned some months ago, and I'm finally going to talk more about secular witchcraft. And since it's December, we're all looking to the new year, maybe starting to make up our calendars and our planners. I know I've bought way too many stickers for mine, but such is life. So this seems like an opportune time to talk about holidays and the various ways they might be celebrated in a secular fashion. We've got the winter solstice and the various winter holidays coming up pretty soon, so you can pretty much put some of these tips into practice right away. I'm going to use the Wheel of the Year as a model for this, if only because it's a pretty recognizable system within the modern witchcraft community. I'm very aware that it's a Wiccan invention that combines holidays and practices from several different traditions and several different countries and makes up a few along the way and that not everybody uses it. But it is pretty well known and it gets mentioned a lot and it's a good basic way of marking the solstices and some of the more common seasonal festivals. So we're going to touch on those eight holidays for our basic model. That'll be Imbolc, Ostara, Beltane, Midsummer, Lunasa, Mabon, Samhain, and Yule. Or at least we'll be talking about the ideas and festivities surrounding them. And if you have other holidays that you observe, or if you call these holidays by other names, that's fine. I do too. This is mostly going to be about the time of year when these festivals occur, since the holidays themselves have a certain amount of religious significance, and I really want to focus on secular celebration ideas and the things that you may wish to meditate upon during each one. For my listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, this is going to be a bit backward compared to your weather patterns and relative dates. But please feel free to adapt the celebrations in whatever order makes the most sense for your local climate and use whatever tips from this that you find helpful. Uh, I want this to be as open to as many people as possible. 
So before we begin, first of all, I suppose I really ought to take a minute and talk about secular witchcraft, like I promised. It's something that's gaining a lot of traction in the community, but it's also pretty widely misunderstood. The word secular means denoting attitudes, activities, or other things that have no religious or spiritual basis. Secular witchcraft as a movement isn't so easily defined, but the basic idea behind it goes back to that idea of witchcraft we've talked about all along the way as a craft rather than a religion. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, it's witchcraft without the inclusion of intrinsically tied religious practices. Now, there are varying degrees of this. Some secular witches eschew religious and spiritual involvement altogether. Some are okay with including spirits or the fae, but not deities. Some still work with deities and have personal religious beliefs, but that is kept completely separate from their witchcraft. And secular witchcraft is a self-identifier. There isn't really a gold standard by which this is measured or a particular tradition to which the idea is attached. There is an emphasis on energy work, on self-reliance and self-empowerment, and on thinking outside the box. I know this flies in the face of a number of traditions, as well as certain modern trends which insist that witches need to belong to some sort of religious tradition or have and or work with patron deities. But the truth is, the concept of witchcraft as a religious practice intrinsically tied to a particular pantheon or set of deities is something we've gotten from Wicca and Reconstructionist traditions in the 20th century. This idea that in order to be a witch, you have to be pagan, and in order to be pagan, you have to worship pagan deities and call on them for aid with your magic. Earlier texts on witchcraft as it relates to folk magic and the healing arts in Europe and the Western world, such as Michelet's La Sorciere, seem to view these things as both magical and vaguely scientific by the standards of the day, of course. But rarely are any deities name-dropped in connection with the procedures outside the usual fears of devil worship. Even more propagandized texts like demonology and the discovery of witches mention that alleged demonic pacts differ from common folk magic practices, although these are still seen as suspect. If you asked for a love charm, for example, back in the day, the witch in question wouldn't go, okay, well, let me set up an altar and call on Aphrodite and we'll get that done for you. It would be more along the lines of, all right, eat this flower and put this charm under your pillow and you'll dream of your future spouse. It was taken as a matter of course that the person you went to for charms or cures or whatever had some personal power to make these things happen. If religious figures are mentioned at all, it's usually in the context of Christianity, with petitions to various saints 
or the Virgin Mary, or the inclusion of Bible verses appearing where we nowadays might expect to see appeals to pagan deities in more modern texts. There is mention of high magic with much more complex rituals, such as in the writings of John Dee and Edward Kelly, but again, this calls on the Abrahamic sector and was generally viewed more under the heading of alchemy rather than witchcraft. And yes, I know the two overlapped in a legal context. Don't at me. So more than that, the person doing the actual spell, to return to our example, probably wouldn't call themselves a witch at all. They might be a healer or cunning folk or a matchmaker or a forecaster or a soothsayer. There were many, many terms to define what these people did. The term witch didn't just stop being dangerous after the 1735 edict that effectively ended the witch panics of the preceding two centuries, at least in a legal sense. That fear in communities, that fear of this concept of witches still persisted, and there were still other legal repercussions to worry about. And people who practiced folk magic had to be very careful this is why we do not have standardized, unified traditions that have survived intact into the present day, and why we have so many that are labeled revivals or reconstructions. That whole unbroken line thing, wishful thinking. So all this is to say that the concept of performing witchcraft outside of a religious context is not a new idea, and the modern secular witchcraft movement is the brainchild of these concepts. It's not just Wicca with the gods taken out, as very notable secular witch Alex Reck is wont to say. It's a system of magic, the details of which are as unique and varied as the witches who adhere to it, wherein there is no need for divine aid or intervention in order to make things happen. It doesn't limit your practice in terms of what kinds of spells you can do or what kinds of materials you can use, and it doesn't mean that you're any less powerful or any less valid as a practitioner. It may mean that you have fewer informational resources geared to your specific practice, or that you may need to get a little more creative with your research and your spell work. But, like I said, emphasis on self-reliance and thinking outside the box. The idea is gaining traction within the community, so there are other secular witches out there you can ask about the practice if you're curious, or if you've entered the practice yourself and you feel stuck. If you'd like to know more, I highly suggest reading Brain Scan Number 33, DIY Witchery, an Exploration of Secular Witchcraft, and checking out Up the Witchy Punks and Ask Secular Witch on Tumblr. I will include links to all of these things in the show notes. So, we've established that you can be a secular witch, and the basics of what that entails. But... When you're a secular witch in a spiritual community, sometimes you can start to feel left out. 
especially when the various holidays come around and everyone's talking about their traditions or the stories behind them, and you're sort of over in the corner like, not my circus, not my elephant. Well, the good news is, that's not necessarily true. There are ways to celebrate the various seasonal festivals in a secular way, and I'm going to share some of those ideas with you today. I'm not going to delve too deeply into the holidays themselves or their history or the particular religious significance behind them. I may mention some holidays and festivals that take place concurrently just for context and suggestions for additional reading, but for the most part I'll be sticking to the ideas behind the festivals and the seasonal cycle that can be followed by any witch on any path. These are going to be sort of broad stroke suggestions for secular celebrations, so you can adapt them as it fits with your own beliefs and practices. And of course, feel free to use this as a springboard to brainstorm on your own. I may repeat myself at times, in fact I expect to, but that's because some of these holidays have similar festivities associated with them. Here's a fun drinking game. Count how many times I say bonfires in this episode. Oh yeah. Keep in mind that with pandemic protocols in place, not all of these ideas may be feasible for everyone. Just do what you can where you are and, of course, err on the side of caution. Hopefully, if you're listening from the future, things have gotten safer and people will have more of the options that we are currently missing, and boy are we missing them. <laughs> so, on to the holidays. And we will start with Imbolc. Imbolc takes place each year in the beginning of February. The exact date varies from the 1st to the 3rd, depending on which source you're reading, because it is astronomically calculated. But the general consensus seems to be February 2nd. This festival marks the point in the year when the world starts to wake up from winter. Whether it's the Feast of the Bride, or Candlemas, or Groundhog Day, we all start to emerge from our burrows, shake off the snow, and look for signs of spring. The main importance of this holiday, apart from venerating the Blessed Bridget or the Unconquered Sun, is hope. This glimmer of new beginnings, the warm hearth in the midst of winter, and the promise of renewal with the coming spring. It's a good time to evaluate where you are, to determine what can or should be cleansed from your life, and to begin planning your way forward. If you're inclined to divination, cast your fortune for the coming season. Contemplate your path to personal growth, as my favorite horoscope podcast is wont to say. What obstacles are in your path? What is holding you back from flowering? And how can you either conquer it or work around it? Where would you like to see yourself by this time next year? And in order to get there, what changes do you need to make? Take a day to focus on self-care. Winter darkness can be hard on those with depression or seasonal affective disorder, amongst other things. A day spent doing things that make you feel happy, healthy, and fulfilled can really buoy up your spirits and help you get through that winter slump. 
So have a home spa day. Watch your favorite movies and eat your favorite foods. Curl up with a good book. Or if you're socially inclined, have an outing with friends or loved ones. Visit a favorite shop or cafe if they're open. Go and see a movie if you can or have a a movie night at home. Plan a date with your sweetie or your bestie. Reconnect with yourself and with the wider world in a way that brings you comfort and joy. Start on your spring cleaning projects. No, seriously, I mean it. You probably need to. It's a bit soon to begin airing out the house in February, despite the occasional January warm spell. Thanks a lot, climate change. But you can still begin clearing the clutter. Organize a closet or plow through one of those projects you've been putting off. Scrub down your kitchen and or bathroom. They always need it, trust me. Or clean out the fridge. Do a few loads of laundry. Or just pick up whatever clutter is keeping your space from feeling relaxed and harmonious. If you've been saying that you'll get around to it, consider this your round to it. If you've got a green thumb, start planning your spring planting. The gardening catalogs are starting to appear in mailboxes, and they can be treasure troves of inspiration. Places like Seed Savers, Baker Creek, Burpee, and many others will even send you a free catalog if you just want to have a look. Look back on last year's garden. What worked, what didn't? What do you want to try growing again, and what new and exciting plants do you maybe want to experiment with? Start a new project. If you're crafty with yarn or textiles, make a stash buster project with the odds and ends you've got sitting around. If you're a maker of shiny things, pick up that special piece you've been waiting to work with and make something gorgeous. Brainstorm ideas for new artwork or sculpture or costuming. Fill a few pages in your sketchbook. Maybe fiddle around with some writing prompts and see what happens. It's not just for NaNoWriMo. Or pull out that old piece you've been meaning to finish. Find some creative outlet and let the ideas flow. If you can, watch the sunrise. There is nothing quite like the light of dawn on Imbolc Day. There's something really peaceful about it. The sun seems to kind of wink at you through the early morning clouds as if to say, soon. Sunrise is sort of the trademark or threshold time for this holiday. So if you're a morning person at all, Okay, most of us aren't, but if you are, maybe try and do a ritual or some spell work at dawn on that particular day. Next on the calendar is the vernal equinox, which marks the beginning of spring and the official start of the growing season. In the northern hemisphere, this usually happens right around March 20th to March 22nd, depending on the year, while in the Southern Hemisphere, this occurs around September 20th to 23rd. So that's about where we're at in the calendar. This is the time to start shaking off the winter and those cold weather blues. And as someone who is firmly on that seasonal affective disorder train, believe me when I tell you that this is important. So when you think about what you're going to do for the spring equinox, make sure you include more self-care, 
and a continuation of that cleaning kick you hopefully started back around in bulk. Actually, every holiday observance should include a little bit of both of these things, not just because they're important, but because holidays are easy to remember. And even if you don't always have time to fit these things into your everyday schedule, it might be more feasible to work them into your holiday observances. If the weather allows it, try cracking a window, even for just a few minutes, and get some light and fresh air into your home. Even if it's still chilly outside, sometimes it helps alleviate that dry, stuffy feeling we all get from being stuck inside with the heat on for months at a time. Open up those shades, let some sun in, turn on a sun lamp or one of those little antidepressant desk lamps if you have one. Like the musical says, let the sun shine in. Or, if you can, get outside for a little while. Hopefully there will be a nice clear day that allows for this. Look for signs of spring in your neighborhood. Birds, flowers, buds on the trees, maybe some snow melt if you live in a place that still has snow in late winter. If you have children, this might be a fun spring bingo type activity. The birds will be coming back, so scatter some seeds for them while you're out and about. And speaking of snow melt, uh, melted snow and icicles can be used as a base for moon water. Just make sure you select uh, clean material to work with and strain the melt water through some paper towels before you store it for magical use. You may even want to boil it briefly just for good measure. And it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't make your moon water from the yellow snow. You can also note the progress of seasonal changes in your journal or your planner if you have one. This doesn't always have a magical application, but it's important to mental health to be able to track the passage of time through changes in your environment. If you have trouble with depression or seasonal affective disorder, or if you just really, really hate winter, Noting when the weather starts warming up and the sun comes out and the early bulbs start to bloom can be really encouraging. Getting back to the subject of children's activities, this is a great time for spring-related crafts, finger painting, you are never too old for finger painting, and a discussion about why the seasons change and what that means in your household as far as traditions go. Your kids may be seeing their peers going on Easter egg hunts and getting baskets of candy. So if you'd like to do something similar but secular, maybe have a Signs of Spring scavenger hunt. If you want to decorate some eggs, go right ahead. Make some special witchy Equinox eggs. Why not? If you want to make a special meal to celebrate the change in seasons, I suggest a breakfast. It's the beginning of the yearly planting cycle, so why not mark it with the first meal of the day? Appropriate foods include bread, eggs, cheese, cured meats, preserves, sprouts, sweets, and pastries. So bust out that French toast casserole recipe, the good jams, and your best quiche Lorraine and go to town. Once you've recovered from the food coma, get cracking on that spring cleaning you started back on in bulk. There is always more to do. If you've finished decluttering one area, start on another. If you've finished one project, pick up a new one. 
keep yourself motivated and moving as much as you can. If you've been meaning to start a new self-care routine or exercise program, go for it. The world is waking up and coming back to life after a long winter's nap, and you can do the same. Freshen up your household wards and protections while you're tidying. This can be as simple as cleaning with intent, where you banish negativity or bad luck or sickness or what have you, along with the dirt and grime, or as complex as a full casting to patch whatever needs patching, or anything in between. Get rid of any lingering stale energy from the winter. You'll know best what needs to be done. It never hurts to have a freshly cleansed home. If you're planning to plant a garden, the vernal equinox is a great time to start. Whether you're buying seeds, filling starter trays, or just sketching out what you want to plant when the ground thaws, get a jump start on your green witchery. Houseware stores should begin stocking seeds right around this time, or you can order free catalogs, like I mentioned before, uh, to help yourself plan. Of course, not all of us have green thumbs. If you'd like a garden but can't seem to keep your sprouts going, try putting together a succulent patch. Succulents are hardy little plants that are easy to care for and harder to kill than the mutant offspring of a rabid zombie and the T-1000. I can personally speak to this. I have two sprouts of aloe that are actively growing in trays that have no dirt or water in them. It's a little bit freaky. For those who are more inclined to crafty activities, you can create a fairy garden with a couple of flower pots, some moss or lichen, and whimsical miniature decorations. There are lots and lots of options available for these, especially if you happen to be into miniature designs already, and this is a craft that comes in handy at midsummer as well. You can also bring fresh flowers into your home. Give yourself a bouquet or a potted plant for a little splash of color and scent. Swap out that wintry pine bunting for early blooms like forsythia, dogwood, pussy willow, and cherry blossoms. Some traditions call for a bonfire in March or April on which the old pine bunting will be burned, but obviously please only do this if you're using actual pine boughs, not plastic and silk. And silk flowers are valid seasonal decorations for the witchy home, by the by. If you don't have access to fresh foliage or can't keep houseplants for whatever reason, go with silk ones. They can stay up for months on your walls or on your altar with just a little bit of dusting and provide ambiance and magical symbolism with comparatively little effort. Plus, you can save them from year to year to be reused. I actually have a set of seasonal garlands that I hang over my altar, and that is entirely composed of silk flowers and leaves. And they provide a really nice aesthetic without too much worry about dead flowers or crumbling leaves catching on fire from the candles. We experience the promise of spring on Imbolc, and now we see that promise fulfilled at the vernal equinox. Sketch out your goals for the upcoming season. Think about the positive changes you wish to make and how you intend to grow. Meditate on the importance of keeping promises, both to yourself and to others, 
and on making only those promises you know you can keep. And remember, you'll reap what you sow later in the year, so sow ever so carefully. We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you by Portland Buttonworks. Do you like buttons? Of course you do. Have you ever had a great idea for one, but just been like, darn it, if only I had the resources and equipment? Well, fret no more. Portland Buttonworks is just what you need. Portland Buttonworks creates custom pinback buttons in four different sizes, plus magnets, hand mirrors, and bottle openers. Download their templates and create your own designs, or use their Design-O-Matic for quick formatting. You can order just a few custom items for yourself or as gifts, or order in bulk for merch, table sales, or your own shop. And they are quick! The turnaround time for properly formatted submissions is one to three business days for most orders under 1,000 pieces. That is lightning fast! I've been getting buttons from Portland Buttonworks for years, and their quality is always top of the line. Ever wonder where the hex positive buttons came from? Well, now you know. And once you're done making your buttons, make sure you visit the PBW Witch Shop for a thoughtfully curated selection of witchcraft, magic, and occult-related zines. They've got books, buttons, tarot cards, and more. The collection has a refreshing emphasis on magic that relates to traditional and folkloric witchcraft, chaos magic, secular witchcraft, magical plants and herbs, queer witchcraft, politics and social justice witchcraft, and other non-Wiccan magic. There's a good chance they have exactly what you're looking for. Visit the main Buttonworks at portlandbuttonworks.com and check out the Witch Shop and Zine Distro at pbwwitchshop.com. Help support small business and get your buttons from Portland Buttonworks. Fighting fascism one button at a time since 2012. And now, back to the show. Beltane comes next. That little threshold holiday between late April and early May. The spring fling of our year. May Day festivals have been around for centuries. Mentions of similar celebrations date all the way back to the Roman Floralia and the Greek Mayuma, or is it Mayuma? I'm not sure, which is recorded as far back as the 2nd century BCE in the reign of Emperor Commodus. We also see similar festivals with things like bonfires, drink, dancing, sweetheart rituals, and maypoles all over Europe and particularly in the British Isles. In some places, it's connected with the Feast of St. Walpurgis, most notably in the German Walpurgisnacht, and in others. And it's evolved into a kind of warm-weather romp that celebrates the month of May and the full flower of springtime. So there's a lot of room for interpretation and a lot of activities to choose from if you're celebrating this holiday as a secular witch. The overarching theme of the day is definitely love. Love magic, sex magic, love divinations, marriage predictions, renewing of vows, it's all there. Love and fertility. There's a reason besides the weather that May is the most popular month for weddings, and this might very well be a part of it. So if you're of a mind to work with any of that, do it. Cast spells to find love, attract a sweetheart, reconnect with your current partner, or if you're single, maybe have a fling. Bring a little extra romance into your life. 
just make sure that you observe consent and common sense at all times and practice safe sex as well as safe hex. If you're not interested in any of that, and some of us aren't, you can also work magic for self-love. Often in our conversations on love magic, we leave out that all-important relationship with ourselves. Beltane is a great time to rediscover this. It can be a celebration of yourself and your own power and your own journey. Pamper yourself a little bit. Have another home spa day. Take a ritual bath. Do whatever it is that makes you feel strong and gorgeous. Because, spoiler alert, you are strong and gorgeous. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Even when you don't feel like it, you're an amazing person and the world is better and a more interesting place because you're in it. So celebrate all the things you love about yourself, your mind, your creativity, your skills, and particularly your physical body, even if it's uncooperative or a work in progress. Celebrate your strength and your ongoing metamorphosis into the person you want to be. Whether that journey is mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, you are not the same person you were last year, and your progress deserves recognition. Celebrate your communal and familial bonds as well. Connect with the people who make you feel loved and cherished and uplifted. If you can't attend a party, maybe have a virtual game night or a socially distanced movie marathon. If you're working on coming out of your shell, this is a good time to maybe take a step in that direction, even if it's just a small one. This is a festival of flowers and fire, fertility and fun, so anything you want to do that involves any of those things would be appropriate. Have a bonfire, if you can do so safely, drink, or light up some candles. Make flower crowns or garlands, add some greenery to your home decor. If you haven't already planted your garden or if your starter sprouts are ready and the final frost has passed, get them in the ground or in their pots. Do some growth magic to help them along. Dress in something that makes you happy and comfortable. Put on your favorite music, dance around the house, and sing like you're on your very own Broadway stage. Make your favorite foods, maybe experiment with making wine or beer or short meat if you've ever wanted to give that a shot. Make candied flowers or maybe some candied fruit peel. Go on a picnic if the weather allows it. Beltane is a great time for picnics. If you're partial to wild crafting, gather wild herbs and flowers for your magic, always observing permission to harvest and best practices for your local ecosystem. That means whatever you want to pick, make sure that you're allowed to do so, both on a spiritual level or on a practical one. Don't go raiding state parks or your neighbor's flower garden. You probably don't have permission to take plants from these places. Take only what you need and don't pick anything you can't properly identify or anything that's endangered. Make sure you label everything, too. It saves so much time later and helps you remember what you've picked. I suggest bringing a pocket field guide on local flora to help you out. And while you're out there, hug your favorite tree 
If you have trees or shrubs on your property, give them a big hug, decorate them with ribbons and streamers, give them a good drink of water, and thank them for all the oxygen. They work hard. Just make sure you take these decorations down and dispose of them properly before they become litter. Meditate on your passions. Think about your causes, all the things that put a fire in your belly. Think of what makes you feel happy and fierce and free. Rededicate yourself to the things that matter to you, whether in your witchy practices or your personal life, or the social and political causes that you feel most passionate about. After Beltane comes Midsummer, which some also call Litha, in mid to late June. I call it probably already too damn hot to go outside. I'm not exactly a summertime person to begin with, and I live in Virginia in the middle of a swamp. So the rest of you can enjoy Midsummer. I'm going to be spending it indoors where the air conditioning is. Midsummer is the summer solstice, the middle of the growing season, the highest point of high summer. It's a time to celebrate the hard work we've done, take a bit of ease while the weather's pleasant, and have a good romp before we start bringing in those harvests in August. If you work with solar magic or the fair folk, this is your holiday. Both of these themes run deep and strong through Midsummer, along with the urge to get outside and revel in the beauty of nature at peak flourish. So enjoy Midsummer first and foremost by getting outside, if you can. If it's too damn hot, you know, be realistic. But at least make an effort if you enjoy warmer weather and it's not dangerous to be out. Go to your favorite park. Maybe go to the beach. Go hiking. Go to a pick-your-own-fruit farm. Have another picnic. I just love picnics and I miss them. Attend a fair or a carnival. Oh my goodness, how much do we love those summer carnivals. Do some stargazing. All of this assumes a lot, I know, about public safety since we're still currently living in the COVID era. So use your good judgment. If it's not safe to be around crowds, try to focus on solo activities or things you can do in the safety of your home or your backyard. This is another good time for herb picking. If you have a garden, your plants should be producing by this point, and you can start pruning them and drying those trimmings for use in your craft. This is actually my favorite part of the summer. I love putting up those bundles of plants and flowers to dry. I love the look of them in my home, and I love the satisfaction of putting the dried materials into jars for storage. <laughs> jars! And hey, if you're not growing anything, you can still enjoy this by picking up fresh herbs from the supermarket or the local garden store and pruning and drying them instead. You can also go herb gathering in the wild, like I mentioned for Beltane, since different plants will now be in season. Again, always observe permission and best practices if you're going to do this. And always make sure you label your bundles and your jars for easy identification. Basil and thistle look an awful lot alike once they're dried out and crumbled up in a jar. On a practical note, if you're going to be doing things outside for midsummer, always make sure you wear sunscreen and adequate clothing to avoid too much UV exposure, including a face covering. 
Remember to hydrate properly throughout the day. Be careful with your alcohol intake if you're drinking. If you start to feel tired or woozy or if you stop sweating, get out of the sun immediately. Heat exhaustion and heat stroke are no joke, witches. Take care of yourselves out there. And speaking of herbs and ways of keeping cool, one of the things I really enjoy doing in the summertime is making magical iced teas. I know some of my overseas listeners might be blinking in confusion right about now, so if you've never heard of this, allow me to enlighten you. In the U.S., particularly in the South, we're very fond of iced tea. Now, that doesn't mean cold tea. It's tea that's been sweetened and chilled, and it's usually served over ice with lemon or mint leaves, depending on the recipe. This is a fun and easy herbal potion that anyone can make. You just need a pitcher of hot water, some herbal tea bags, some sugar or honey, and whatever flavorings you want to add. Using several tea bags or a big pouch of loose leaf tea, mix up a batch of tea that's a little stronger than you'd usually make for a hot cuppa. Stir in sugar or honey until it's as sweet as you like it. We usually go a step or two sweeter than you'd think. Then add whatever flavorings you like. And you can use just about anything for this. I'm partial to a nice blend of chamomile and peppermint with a good dollop of honey, or white tea with jasmine, or spearmint and elderflower, or hibiscus and raspberry. Lavender and lemon is another popular recipe if you can get your hands on culinary lavender. And yes, there is a difference between lavender grown for the kitchen and lavender grown for aromatherapy purposes, so shop carefully. Believe me when I say you don't want to mix them up. (laughs) One tastes kind of good, the other one really does not. Feel free to make drinks that correspond to magical purposes too. Health, wealth, happiness, whatever you like. Sweet iced potions? Yes, please. This can be stretched to alcoholic drinks, too, if you're partial. I mean, what are we even doing with our craft if we're not stirring spells into sangria or joining the Midnight Margarita Club, right? My husband makes a delightful little cocktail he calls a gardener's tonic. Basically, a gin and tonic with muddled sweet basil and lime juice. Just make sure that when you're enjoying your alcoholic alchemy, that you're doing so responsibly. So once you've got your drink of choice and you've had a chance to relax, look to your homestead. Tend that garden, like I mentioned before. Attend to any pest problems you might be having or any home repairs that might need doing. Try not to put things off. Once autumn arrives, you may find that you're too busy for them. Reorganize your witchy supplies. If you've got new material or new tools coming in or new books, try to declutter and get rid of anything that's gone stale or sour or anything that's used up. Check your jars for signs of mold and give your accoutrements a good cleaning. If you're feeling that kitchen witch itch, there's a cream for that. It's in the fridge right next to the milk. I apologize for nothing. You can check on the beverages you started back around Beltane, or start a batch if you didn't do one in the spring. You can start a sourdough, since that seems to be all the rage right now, or make preserves and jams with those early fruits and berries. 
make food or homemade sweets with local produce and local honey. Oh, and bless the bees and the pollinators while you're at it. Bless their little hearts. They bring so much sweetness to the world. They deserve our thanks for their hard work. Midsummer is a big holiday for picnics too. So if you can have one, definitely do it, even if it's just on your back porch. If you happen to have a fenced yard and a tent to work with, maybe try an overnight camp out just for fun. My dad used to do this all the time when my brother and I were kids. We'd set up a tent in the backyard, he'd drag out a TV and VCR on extension cords, and we'd stay up half the night watching movies and eating junk food. Hey, we were suburban kids. My dad's idea of roughing it was having no remote for the TV, okay? It was super fun, and if you can manage something like this with your own children, I definitely recommend it to witches who have little ones. Or any witches who just, you know, want to go out in the backyard and have some fun. Lots of good memories to be made there if you're inclined to such things. Of course, summer isn't all clear skies and sunshine. Sometimes it rains. But heck, that can be just as fun. Apart from the obvious option of gathering the rainwater for magical purposes, have you ever gone out in the rain on purpose? When it's warm out and the rain is coming down in nice fat drops and you're wearing stuff that can stand a little soaking, few things are more fun than running around and getting absolutely drenched. I've got so many fond memories of walking in the woods during rainstorms with my bestie from middle school. There's a saying that goes, life isn't about avoiding the storms, it's about learning to dance in the rain. If there's not a danger of lightning, I definitely recommend giving a try. It's really sort of exhilarating. Midsummer is the longest day of the year. It's the day when we see the most light, the earliest sunrise, the latest sunset. Meditate on how you can bring more light and positivity into your life and how you can have a positive impact on the lives of others, on your community and the world in general. Think about your productivity, your projects, your path to personal growth once again. How are things going? Is there anything that feels stuck that needs to be addressed? Where can you modify your outlook to something more optimistic? And where do you maybe need to take off the rose-colored glasses and be a little bit more of a realist? All things to contemplate while you're sipping on that magical iced tea potion. From midsummer, we move on to Lunasa in early August. Also called Lamas, this is the first of the three harvest holidays. Much of what you'll see associated with this holiday involves bread, bread, and for a change of pace, more bread, and also corn. But there are also associations with field game, music, crafts, artistry, games of skill, self-expression, wish-making, and the first fruits of the harvest. It's yet another holiday for picnics and bonfires. Drink! So keep that in mind when you're planning your festivities. It's probably easiest to talk about the food first, since that's a really big part of this holiday. Lots of witches bake bread of some sort for Lunasa, in observance of the grain harvest. This would be a great time to put that sourdough starter to use if you made one. But don't limit yourself to bread alone. 
late summer fruits and vegetables are also coming into season, and that gives you plenty of options for kitchen witchery. Check your local farmer's market or produce stand for what's available, or see what's in season for your area, since this will vary from region to region. You can make jams and preserves, try your hand at winemaking or brewing beer, make a vegetarian or fruit-based dish for a change of pace, or cook over an open fire if you have the option. You should be able to harvest things from your own garden as well, since it will be producing actual fruits and vegetables by this time. And this is another great holiday for visiting those pick-your-own berry patches and orchards. If you can, share what you harvest or make with friends and neighbors. This is a time to remember your circle and your community as well. None of us stand alone, and we are stronger when we stand together and nurture those bonds. Make decorations with wheat stalks and corn husks, and thank the fields and the sun for their bounty. Just like on Midsummer, you can hang ribbons and paper wishes from trees and shrubs if you like, I'm also partial to, very carefully, gathering brambles, rose thorns, and holly hedge cuttings for use later in the year around Lunasa. It's a tricky, prickly business, but they come in very handy when you're preparing magical protections for the home. If you can have a small bonfire or have the opportunity to light up a cauldron or a burning bowl, you can throw incense or paper wishes into the fire. If you like, you can also throw paper packets containing your regrets into the fire, symbolically ridding them from your life and freeing you to move forward. If the weather allows it, have a field day. Play games, have a cookout or a barbecue, play music, and enjoy yourself. Celebrate the abundance that the first harvest brings into your life and all the hard work you've done so far in the year. Provided that your circle can gather, maybe have an informal tournament with games of skill and chance. For those of you who just went, oh, trivia contest, you are right on the mark. That carnival atmosphere comes into play again for Lunasa, so have a little fun with your near and dear. Handicrafts and the arts are also celebrated at this time. It's a good time to start that new project you've been meaning to do, or to try your hand at a new skill. This is also a time to begin reaping what you've sown and to examine your own progress since the beginning of the growing season. Meditate on how your personal projects are going. What progress have you made toward your goals? What have you learned so far this year? What promises have you kept? Which ones could use more dedication? And which ones maybe fell by the wayside? How have your actions, for good or for ill, affected the direction of your path? What have you sown that is now coming to fruition? What is still budding? What has yet to manifest? What might require a little more of your attention? Meditate also on self-expression. How well do you communicate with others? What would you like to improve? Are there boundaries that you need to clarify or perhaps reinforce? How much are you allowed or able to be your truest self? What do you long to be able to do or say or express differently? Keep in mind that progress, education, and recovery do not happen in straight lines 
or have constant upward trajectories. So be patient with yourself. You may not be exactly where you thought you'd be, but you're still further along than you were. Even a single step forward counts, and it's okay to stop and rest if you need to. From there, we move into the fall and come to the autumnal equinox and my favorite time of year. September brings the second harvest, more fruit, lots of gourds, and the rest of those autumn vegetables. Of course, there are some plants that will continue on well into the winter, but this is when most of the produce comes off the vine and we begin storing them up for the colder months. The year begins to slide more noticeably toward winter. The leaves start to turn, and when the equinox comes, the day and night are equal once again. This is a time for restoring balance. If things are feeling off in your home or in your life, take steps to restore that equilibrium and reestablish your routines. Cleanse your home of any lingering summer grump, and make sure you air the place out once the weather isn't so blazingly hot. I mean, who doesn't love a bit of fresh autumn air in the house, especially when it has that little tinge of burning leaves to it? Mm, chef kiss. Perfection. I mean, in 2020, we're all sick of that because of wildfires, but still. Do that end-of-summer clean-out. Get ready for back-to-school if you have little ones, and start changing out your own wardrobe from warm weather to cool. There's still time for a little bit of last blast outdoor fun, if you're so inclined. Provided that the weather cooperates, you might plan one more beach day or a camping trip or an afternoon at the lake. Visit a farmer's market or a harvest festival and have some fun. Visit that pick-your-own-produce farm again and bring home some seasonal fruits and veggies. I love apple picking at this time of year, and it's probably the thing I miss most about living in Pennsylvania. Also, stamen wine saps are the tastiest apples on earth, and nothing you can say will change my mind. Go on a walk or a drive to view the changing leaves. In New England, this is actually a pretty marked tradition. Oh, and mark the day you first see the leaves starting to turn. That is a fun thing I do every year. I call it turning day. If there are maple trees in your area, those will probably be the ones that change first, so look for those. You can use fall foliage, acorns, and gourds to start decorating your home. Real or silk or plastic, whatever works for you. This is another big holiday for, you guessed it, bonfires! Well, honestly, bonfires are pretty much part of all the holidays. They're just fun. So if you can attend one or have one safely, that's something to consider. Or maybe just have one more picnic or cookout before the weather turns too chilly for it to be feasible. Have a fall feast for your near and dear with lots of lovely seasonal produce and pies, maybe a roast fowl or brisket or fish, whatever you like best that's easy to scale up for a party. Speaking of food, this is my baking season. It's finally cool enough to have the oven going without suffocating myself in the heat or running up a four-figure energy bill trying to keep the indoor temperature manageable. So if you're a fan of baking, why not give that a try? There are plenty of recipes to choose from, like soda bread, pumpkin bread, spice cake, maple cookies, and so on. 
keep that sense of community going by making a little bit extra and sharing it with your friends and neighbors. Some people do their autumn feasting around the equinox instead of in November when Americans celebrate Thanksgiving. There is a holiday in September called Harvest Home that directly corresponds to this. So if you'd rather skip Thanksgiving but you still want to feast, that's something to look into. Start stocking your shelves for winter too. Put up pickles and preserves. Refresh your canned goods and non-perishables. Maybe save a few bottles of whatever libations you made earlier in the year. If you have kids, celebrate the idea of this gathering in with another scavenger hunt. Have them help you find signs of autumn or needful items for the pantry. It, uh, it can help on long grocery trips. As the year turns and the harvest comes in, meditate on your own personal harvest. This might be a good journaling activity. You've sown, you've tended, you've reaped. Now, what is your harvest? What have you learned from the year? What abundance has entered your life? What have you lost? What surprised you? What didn't go quite as you planned? What are you thankful for and what do you regret? Meditate also upon the balance in your life. Do things feel balanced or are they out of whack? If so, how can you address this? Do you feel you need to change things, or is it more prudent to let them reach equilibrium on their own? What outside factors are affecting that balance, and what can you reasonably affect or change on your own? We'll be back with more Hex Positive after this brief sponsored break. This episode is brought to you by Crowsbone. With the world in turmoil and all of us doing our best to ride out the storm, there's never been a more important time to support small business. To that end, I'd like to introduce you to Crowsbone. Run by the Weird Sisters, Crowsbone is a family-owned business with 20 years of experience in the study and practice of magic. The shop's been closed for a while due to the pandemic, but they're back and better than ever. Their selection combines carefully curated wholesale goods, unique secondhand finds, and handcrafted items from their home base. Peruse their excellent selection of books, home decor, altar supplies, and so much more. Make sure you check out their seasonal subscription packages and mystery boxes, as well as their range of personalized services and readings. And now is the perfect time to do it, because the good people at Crowsbone are offering my listeners a 15% discount on their products and services. Just use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout. This offer excludes subscriptions. Refresh your witchcraft supplies and help support small business while you're at it. Visit www.crowsbone.com and remember to use the code HEXPOSITIVE at checkout to get 15% off your order. Crowsbone, to thine own self be true. Since we're all heartily fed up with Amazon right about now, I've decided to open a small online witch shop on my WordPress. You can pick up copies of Grove Daughter Witchery, The Sisters Grimoire, and Pestlework, or shop for witchy goodies like banishing powder, witch web kits, and witchy buttons. You might even get a special surprise or two with your order. Go to brienicarin.wordpress.com shop to place your order today.
back to the show. And then we come to the best holiday of them all, October 31st, good old Samhain. Seriously, if you don't like Samhain or Halloween, I'm just not sure we can be friends. We all know how it's celebrated, ghost stories and guising and good times, and lots of witchcraft. So much. All of the witchcraft. <laughs> Samhain is the third and final harvest festival, the harvest of flesh. This is when animals would be slaughtered and sacrifices would be made and the dead would be remembered. This is a night when the veil between the mortal world and the spirit realm is rumored to be at its thinnest. I mean, it's always pretty thin. It's a veil, after all, not a theater curtain, although that's another good analogy. But around Samhain, the dead travel more freely. They're moving toward their final rest, if they haven't found it yet. Or perhaps they're coming back for a visit. Dia de Muertos is another holiday that celebrates this, with feasts and marigold garlands and family altars called ofrendas. So, first and foremost, Samhain is a time to remember those who came before. I think this is going to be sadder and more poignant in the next few years than it may have been previously. We have all lost so much in 2020. It's nice to have one night in the year when we're encouraged to remember the dead fondly and laugh about the good times, even though it might be hard on other days. Honor your deceased loved ones with a cemetery visit or a gift of food or flowers. Commune with the dead, if you wish to do so. Just remember to hang up, as it were, and cleanse the house after so no uninvited guests stick around. And it's not just your immediate family you can call on, but your more distant ancestors, too. Remember that ancestors aren't just your blood relatives, but also people who inspire you or bring you insight. People who share your visions, your goals, your values. Honor the witches who came before as well, and the ones who were called witches but weren't and suffered for it. Put out some fruit offerings. I usually use apples. Or a few shots of alcohol or a dish of salt. Another tradition calls for carving the names of the deceased into apples or potatoes and tossing them into bodies of water as an offering. I think this one might be an offshoot of the old bobbing for apples party game, but I don't think it's a precursor. Bobbing for apples is a throwback to older traditions where partygoers would use apples and other party food to perform simple divinations. An apple peel taken off in one strip would be tossed over the shoulder, and the shape it formed when it landed was supposed to show the initial of your future spouse. Dishes like barmbrack and colcannon would have little charms hidden inside, which were supposed to tell the fortune of the person whose portion contained them for the coming year. So if you've got divinations to do, especially those for love or fortune, this is the time. Cast your predictions for the coming year and see what's headed your way. Carve pumpkins and make baked pumpkin seeds. Tell the tale of Jack-o'-lantern and his glowing turnip. 
learn about the history of Halloween and Samhain and where they intersect. Samhain is a holiday that pretty much demands bonfires and drink. Between burning leaves and the symbolic sacrificial pyre, a towering pile of flaming branches is something that's pretty ubiquitous in cooler climes. When I lived in Pennsylvania, there was always a farm somewhere nearby that would host one, usually alongside other spooky seasonal festivities like a corn maze or a haunted hayride. If you have the opportunity to visit another harvest festival or a Halloween fair or a haunted attraction, go and have some spooky fun. It's a time of year for celebrating that spooky side of life, the scary things that remind us just how alive we are. So put on those scary movies, decorate your home, and scare the crap out of your friends and neighbors. Tell your favorite ghost stories, bump spooky scary skeletons loud enough to disturb the folks in the next county. However you celebrate your spooky side, indulge it as far as you're able. On Samhain, we let our witch flags fly. It's the one time of year that even those of us still witching in secret are sometimes able to get away with living in the open, or at least a little bit less in hiding. Celebrate your life as a witch, even if you must do so in private. Revel in the pop culture visibility that's giving us more of a foothold in the normal world. On a personal note, this is the time of year that I do my annual home warding. Part of it has to do with the need to refresh them because of the increased spirit traffic, and part of it has to do with Samhain being an easily markable holiday. I perform a full altar cleaning, an offering with fire and whiskey to honor my ancestors and my patrons, plus whatever spells I need to do for divination or immediate needs. Then I do a full ritual to unravel the old wards, clean the place out, and weave new protections that will last until the following year. I do patch them in the interim sometimes if they need it to. If you have something big to do with your craft, Samhain is usually a good time for it. Or, conversely, if you need a break, it's a fine time for that too. You will know what is best for you at any given time. This is a season of remembrance. In addition to honoring those who came before, study the history of your chosen craft and of witches in general. Think about what brought you to the craft in the first place and what keeps you going. If you feel like your inspiration is waning, it's a good time to find ways of reinvigorating yourself, and there's usually plenty of inspiration around. Meditate on the year so far. What knowledge have you gained? What do you want to learn next? What do you wish you'd done differently? What has passed out of your life that you'll miss? What do you remember most fondly? Meditate also on the nature of disguise. What metaphorical masks do you wear? When and where do you feel most like yourself? Is there some part of you that you feel compelled to hide, and if so, why? What face would you like to be able to show the world? Is it maybe time to find ways of living more in the open, or is it safer to keep your mask on for now? 
At the very end of the Gregorian calendar comes the winter solstice and Yule. Technically, this is the first holiday on the wheel, since Samhain is the boundary between the old year and the new, but since most of us have to follow the January to December schedule in our day-to-day -day lives, we'll end with Yule. The winter solstice is a time when we focus on hunkering down and staying warm. We look to the homestead, we take care of our families, and we make sure our communities are surviving the winter as comfortably as possible. This is one of the times that the Wild Hunt was said to ride, their presence indicated by howling winds and stormy nights when it wasn't safe to venture out. All manner of entities personifying hunger and cold and death stalk the landscapes of winter mythology, so we fortify our homes however we can and indulge in a little midwinter revelry to keep ourselves going until spring. Decorate with pine bunting, pine cones, holly, mistletoe, snow symbols, fairy lights, electric candles, ribbons, streamers, local fauna active during winter, whatever you like. There are plenty of Christmas wreaths out there, so don't be afraid to make a witchy one with a big old star in the middle. Make sure that any actual foliage is kept away from the pets, especially those poinsettias. And especially observe fire safety for any lights you put up. Way too many house fires are caused by electrical shorts in holiday lights, so please be extra careful. Do not plug an extension cord into a power strip. That way lies madness and fire hazards. And go easy on the plastic glitter. Anathema to some, I know, but the more of that we can keep out of the waste cycle and the water system, the less we'll end up in the oceans. If you have a fireplace, you can burn a symbolic log to drive the cold winter away. Or if you only have a cauldron or a burning bowl, you can find an outdoor space to burn some twigs and incense for the same purpose. Or you can light some candles with appropriately wintry scents. Or, if you can't burn anything at all, an LED candle left alight overnight on the altar should do the trick. The whole idea is to symbolize keeping warmth and light in the home, keeping the darkness and the cold of the winter at bay, and quite literally keeping the home fires burning for those who must be elsewhere. However you manage this is fine. Spend time with your near and dear if you can. Eat good food, drink good wine, and do cozy things together. Share treasured memories and tell stories. A fun fact, Yule and Christmas are another traditional time of year for ghost stories, so feel free to pull those out again. We all remember a Christmas carol. If there's a family tradition of feasting and gift-giving, lean into it. There are a lot of Christian traditions from Christmas that have made their way into the secular sphere. Yes, they still have some religious associations, but I know plenty of atheists who still exchange presents because it's fun. You can also give gifts to others by contributing to charitable organizations, donating to clothing drives and food pantries, or through random acts of kindness to those who need it. 
charity and compassion should be emphasized during this time of year. I mean, you should be charitable and compassionate all year when you can manage it. That's just common decency. But especially when it's cold and people are feeling that lack of money or resources and we're surrounded by all these super capitalistic ad campaigns telling us that our love for others is worth only as much as the kitchen appliances and diamond jewelry we put under the tree... Yeah, maybe bring something a little more altruistic to the table. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be performative. Just look for those opportunities to help someone out or make their life a little easier. You'll know them when you see them. If you're crafty, pull out those projects you've been saving for a rainy day. If you're crafty, pull out those projects you've been saving for a rainy day. We often spend a lot of time cooped up in the house during cold weather, all the more so here in 2020 with the various lockdowns, and we're probably going to have some more by the time this episode comes out. So why not turn it into something productive? Fix something, create something new, work on that scarf you've been meaning to finish since last winter, make a pine cone feeder for the local birds, or scatter some nuts and dried berries for any critters that happen to be out and about. Do winter crafts with your kids to keep them occupied, if they happen to get bored of watching Frozen 2 for the hundredth time this week. Hey, I only have nieces and a nephew, but I've still heard the horror stories. Sometimes the kids just can't let it go. Let me pause for a moment to address the proverbial elephant in the room. And this might be dipping a toe into the religion pool, but it's an issue that a lot of us face. Late December can be a tough time for witches who are raised Christian, but are, for one reason or another, disconnected from the faith or the church at present. There's the constant symbolism in music and decorations all over the place, pressure from our friends and families, people gnashing their teeth about red coffee cups, and so on. And we're not even going to talk about the annual arguments over who stole whose holidays. If you know me, you know exactly how salty I can get on the topic, and we don't have time for that today. This is about finding ways to celebrate, not my personal rage over people who don't understand the difference between conflation and syncretism and can't be arsed to read history that doesn't come from... Ooh, deep cleansing breath. Come on, Brie. You promised. I lied. Anyway... Yule is a time when it might be worth remembering literally anything positive that came out of your upbringing in another faith. Some of us have it, some of us don't. That's purely a personal matter. Some of us miss the carols, okay? There can be a lot of nostalgia involved in the season that's disconnected from whatever trauma or differences in belief led to that split. And if you want to pause and remember fondly, that's okay. I will fully confess to singing along to Christmas hymns on the radio in my car at top volume because that's a big part of the season for me and always has been. Heck, I might even attend a service at the local Unitarian Church. They're nice and non-denominational and they focus much more on the meaning behind the season than on any particular holiday. So if you feel the need for that fellowship, see if there's a UU church near you or a virtual service online. There is nothing wrong with revisiting your roots. Moving back into witchcraft territory, 
you can collect clean snow and icicles to melt for winter moon water. This isn't really much different from moon water you'd make at any other time of year, but it's another method of gathering the base material. Also, icicles are great for any water you're setting aside for more aggressive or protective purposes. The fact that they look like hanging spears isn't lost on me. Check your household protections and see if anything needs shoring up. Like I said, I cast my wards every year at Samhain, but they always seem to need just a little bit of detail work by the time Yule rolls around. Or heck, you might find Yule a more appropriate time to perform that casting, or maybe you refresh your wards at every holiday, who knows. Whatever works for you as long as you remember to do it at some point. Cleanse your thresholds and the corners of your home at the very least, just for good measure. But don't go sweeping anything out the door. That's sweeping away your good luck for next year. And speaking of New Year's, if the year you've had has been particularly, well, like the year we've just had, you can also burn the year in effigy and cleanse with incense for a fresh start. I think... A lot of us might want to do this. I know I'll certainly be doing it. Just write 2020 on a piece of paper and burn that SOB in the cauldron. While you're at it, you can symbolically burn lingering worries, bad habits, bad memories, and regrets, either with candle flame or a burning bowl. And yes, that includes all those negative things you think about yourself that you wish would go away. And finally, reflect on the year as a whole, with all the joys and lessons it's brought you. What memories have you made? What has brought you joy? What do you regret? What have you learned? What skills have you developed and how will you use them? What improvements do you still wish to make? And what do you want to do with the coming year? And around and around it goes. Like I said at the beginning, this is by no means exhaustive. These are just some basic ideas to help get you started. You can make your own celebrations and your own traditions as you go, either by building off of existing ones or by creating something new. As long as it has meaning to you and marks the occasions you deem important in ways that are fun and festive, it's all good. This is something I'd love to see more often as a discussion, personal traditions, things that are unique to families or particular regions or individual witches, all the places they intersect and all the various ways that we celebrate ourselves and each other and our craft. So that's it for this month's episode and for 2020 as well. There are some fun holiday bonuses coming up over the next few weeks, but the next time I'll be here with a full-length episode will be sometime in early January. It may not drop exactly on the first since I fully intend to be gloriously hungover and sleeping in until someone drags me out of bed, possibly literally, but I promise you, you'll be hearing from me again real soon, and I'll be talking about yet another oft-requested topic, what to do when you can't practice your craft openly. Oh yes, this next episode is going to be one from all my darling little stealth witches out there, so make sure you stay tuned. Until then, I'm Brina Garin, reminding you to stay safe, keep wearing your mask, 
and have a warm and wonderful solstice season. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at at Brina on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hex.